0: Welcome to the maiden episode of season two of the Progress Neighborhood podcast. This season, I'll be introducing you to our new neighbors in the neighborhood. Kicking off this season is Alia Sandovar joining me on deck. Alia is a game development professional. She is passionate about creating high quality products with ease and fun, and she believes creating playful products. Should not be a headache. Hi neighbor, my name is Mackie and this is episode 1, season 2 of the Progress Neighborhood Podcast. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Hi there.
1: How are you, Mackie?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you. I I, uh, had to use my phone because I was having problems with my computer today. Okay. Uh, so now I'm calling you from my phone like okay I have to make this happen so okay okay that's fine That's <laughs> but, fine. Uh, but I'm at home so mm-hmm. if I can if I can manage to get my computer up and running we can switch over there
0: okay sure so so yeah um well we better get started then because um, yes <laughs> yeah actually um this is my first time um that we'll be having a I'll be having a guest on the podcast and thank you oh cool yeah thank you for because i was trying to expand the podcast um because uh i was well a lot of my friends are are already uh pushing me to you know what you should have guests on your podcast yeah you should have you should have um people on your podcast uh to make, make it more engaging and then i found out um about this app Matchmaker. How long have you been on Matchmaker?
1: Uh, Very recently also because I was on a different app. And um, that other app closed down during COVID because Mm. of lack of inactivity. So I was (laughs) asking friends like, oh, how do I get onto another app? And so I think I joined Matchmaker, I don't know, maybe in August or September, something Mm -hmm. like this. So, mm. so very, very recently, right?
0: Okay, so uh, do, do you do you have your own podcast too?
1: No, I don't. Uh, it was only as a as a guest.
0: But you have been guesting with a lot of podcasts, I guess.
1: I've been guesting, you know, not with a lot, but but probably I'm guesting two or three a month, something mm. like this.
0: Hmm. How how is the COVID situation there in your area right now?
1: You know, I was going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> um, is, <it's... laughs> well,
0: well. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard the news about um the Philippines um dealing the dealing with the COVID it was like hell.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't. So tell me, and then I'll tell you. I'm here in Munich. Okay. Right now. Um,
0: right now the Philippines have. I guess, if I'm not mistaken, we have around three hundred thousand infected, with almost wow. yeah, with almost um, with almost one hundred fifty thousand fatalities already. So, but uh, the bad thing there, the worst thing there, is that the gover- the government is not that worried of the numbers growing like that. So. Um, you'll see people retaliating, um, protesting. Uh, yeah. They just lifted the, the lockdown here in the Philippines. So, okay. uh, yeah, technically, um, the whole country is basically back to normal, <laughs> of course, with the face masks <laughs> and everything. But, but, of course, overlooking the risk of, um, you know, the virus was still here or still lingering yeah. around the area. So uh, a lot of people here would like, um, uh, well, my friends in, in Ireland and um, I have friends in UK, uh, whenever they ask me well, what's up with the COVID situation here in the Philippines, so I was like, um I don't know, man. I don't know what to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. It's yeah. Intense.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, technically, intense is an understatement. I don't know. Yeah. If if, if there's another word that could uh, that could describe it, um, I don't know. Hasn't been made yet, or something. <laughs>
1: yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So how how is how
0: how is the how is the COVID situation in? in so Munich.
1: In, yeah, so in Munich, um, right now, it, it's sort of okay-ish, you know, there's a trend right now throughout Europe that the numbers, according to the news, although I don't listen to the news, but my friends who listen to the news tell me that the numbers are rising. And um, so there the borders are starting to be uh, closed down again and also between certain cities so here in munich we people just have to wear a mask whenever they go to the store or when they go to a restaurant and then they take off the mask or like i'm staying in a living hotel here which is like um like a like a long-term residence hotel so when you enter the hotel you have to wear a mask um, but other than that, you can pretty much go anywhere. There's just some regulations as to the number of people that can gather together and also the number of different types of households. So you can only have, I think, up to four different households coming together. Um, and I know, cause I, I just had, um, I just met a friend for a drink last night and he's up with the news. Like I said, I don't keep up with it. Cause I think if I kept up with it, I might get a little depressed. So I just like ignore it. I figure anything important, someone mm-hmm. will tell me, you know, like if there's a new lockdown or something other than that, I just want to kind of keep it, um, keep myself in like a positive vibe and try to live my life as, as well as possible. Mm-hmm. So, um, what he told me was happening in in uh, Germany right now is that uh, certain cities are sort of closed to other cities now because of the numbers. So as I understand, because the numbers really rose um, in Berlin, if if you are someone from Berlin and you're trying to travel to Munich, you you can of course travel to Munich, but. Uh, the government has said that no, like public, like so, like Airbnb or hotels or whatever cannot accept mm-hmm. people say from Berlin right now if you're how, in Munich. Well,
0: well, how about how about the tourist parts in Munich?
1: Yeah, um, in the tourist parts, well, as you know, there's not that many tourists in many places. I mean, some people are traveling, but it's not a lot. Um, It's still open. Uh, There was a time, like there's one big, like open platz called Mayan platz and it's a very popular place because it's got this beautiful building. And, um, and so a lot of people go through there. So um, it it used to be about six weeks ago or I don't know how long ago you had to wear a mask through that big publics area, but not anymore. But you do have to wear it in like the market. There's a um, sort of like a farmer slash kind of market. Mm-hmm. And so you have to wear it there. Um, and in in museums and things like this, then you have to wear. So any kind of enclosed space you well, have to wear a mask. Well, yeah. probably.
0: Props to Munich then <laughs> for 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 technically well basically co- containing the the pandemic inside. But here in the Philippines, we're technically back to normal. I mean, uh, beaches have been opened. Um, tourists from international um, international tourists are being welcomed already. <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah. they're pushing it i mean they're they're yeah. pushing it they're pushing it to the to the point that um they they even promote um they they even promote the tourist spots here in the philippines like there's no pandemic like go to the oh. philippines we have we have wonderful beaches um we have uh we have good food and all all, all the things like that so um a lot of people are worried actually, but then, well, uh, we can't do anything about it right now. Cause it's a government no. decision. Right. So, yeah,
1: but I, but I'm, but I'm willing to bet it's sort of okay-ish in the sense that, um, people, even if certain borders are open, people are hesitant to travel
0: mm-hmm. like
1: because for example, um, so my, 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 my friend, right. We're really close to, um, to France, and he, you know, because the numbers really rose there, and and because Germany has this like 14-day quarantine period, if you go into like a high-risk area, well, then there's no point, right? So if mm. Philippines for Germany ha- has a high-risk factor, <laughs> even if it's open, no one's going to fly there on yeah. vacation just mm. to come back and then be quarantined because it's just, especially if you have work or other things, it's just not worth it. So I think until it dies down everywhere, even <laughs> the places that are open, are kind of safe for a bit. Yeah. I think. Uh, and, and I personally, I really do feel like it's good that the um, parks and beaches and places like that are open. Um, because I, I feel like land and nature really helps the immune system. Yeah. And, and Agreed. being inside, inside all the time, it can really compromise your immune system. So um, while I think maybe in enclosed buildings where there's not a lot of fresh air and stuff, it makes sense to be more careful and have masks and social distancing. I really do feel like everything that's in nature should be open and people should be able to go. Um, um, Cause it's just, it just helps the immune system and we can't, keep staying inside forever you know Mm -hmm. so well yeah (laughs) uh,
0: personally i wouldn't risk it though (laughs) yeah even even though even though um they they would tell you that there's a vaccine present i i won't won't risk it i won't risk it it was like it's 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 difficult to risk things right now because yeah. uh, especially if it's that fatal, it's that, it's that drastic. I mean,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, from what I understand, cause I really did a lot of research myself mm-hmm. and I used that. I literally went and looked at the numbers and took out my calculator and started plugging in the numbers mm-hmm. and the, the, the death rates. I mean, any, any, one that dies it's not okay right but Mm -hmm. but the but the death rates are quite um are quite low meaning it's still it's still under one percent of the cases Mm -hmm. so so it's not the kind of pandemic where if you get it you know your chance of survival is 50 50 like the like um, the
0: spanish flu. In yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's not. It's not this kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? So, um, but there are. I. I. There are side effects that I've heard people have. Like, I think I had it when I was in Bali in February, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know, you can't be sure because then it just. I was sick for a couple weeks, and then that was that. Uh, but, but I. I know if people have had like different types of side effects. Like, me and my my sister, definitely had it, and we both had. A crazy amount of hair loss, Damn. like, like really, like, like, like uh, when I went to get like a product um, in my in my hair, like in Bali, because it was like really, I was really scared. The lady that was combing my hair <laughs> yeah. was so scared. I'm I'm sure because you know they also believe in like um, black magic and all kinds of things uh, there. Yeah, I know. I, I'm I, I'm sure she thought. <laughs> I had been like, because the clumps of hair that were coming out and it happened to my sister too. And then a couple of other friends have had like, um, they were fine during it, but afterwards they noticed that they were having trouble with, with like exercise and their lungs being compromised, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, and then other people like, uh, you know, they, they lost their sense of taste and they haven't gotten it back yet. So, so it's kind of there are side effects to it, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think, but the the, but what what is what we have to keep in mind is that it's not if you get it, you're not going to (laughs) die, you know? Like immediately, yeah,
0: yeah, immediately, yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. No, no, no. Really, you're not going to like Mm -hmm. really. It's not. It's not something that you're going to die from. The likelihood of you dying from it is very, very small. And and usually, from what I looked at the statistics, most of the people who did die, they had other compromising things. Oh, now yeah. that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't mean it's okay that people are dying, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. not suggesting this is okay, but 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 I think, um, you know, there there has been sometimes this year, if I get it, I'm going to die. Well. I I went to this meeting with a medical doctor right when it happened. This was in Bali because we were trying to educate ourselves and trying to understand what was like the, the best way to deal with it. And, um, and he was like, you know, this is going to be like 70 to 80% of the population is going to get it. So it's not about like not getting it. It's about, getting it when we already know what it is. <laughs> so mm-hmm. waiting it out. <laughs> so so and and that made sense to me, you know, because it's mm. like, yeah, yeah, like
0: yes. it's probably yeah right. Well, enough yeah. of COVID. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go. Yeah, let's, go. let's talk about other stuff. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, I was looking at your profile, and um, you had PhD in game production. You have masters yeah. in psychology. You, you yeah. have masters in human organizational systems, and a bachelor's yeah. in public relations and communication. And that's a lot. I mean, I mean <laughs> your your credentials are goals, man. <laughs> <laughs> you you have have been studying all your life right
1: (laughs) so true yeah
0: so So, well one thing i I could relate on this because uh i also have a bachelor's in sort of public relations because i graduated in um with a degree in foreign relations public policy yeah public policy and I, i was um I was currently applying um, for a master's back home in Ireland um, for master's of international public policy in Galway. Uh, but then the COVID situation halted my mm-hmm. application. I was like, yeah. And then my mom, who's currently in there, in Ireland, was like, um, maybe you just have to wait it out or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Not until... Uh- not not until like a year or, or two, give it a year or two, yeah. So um, I, I have friends who graduated, uh, who has a degree in game development, and um, most of them thought that it's, it's, it's the last station, if you, don't, you know what I mean. It's, it's a dead end for them, because uh, here in the Philippines, uh, um, programs like game development are pretty much not a thing. Or mm-hmm. not being suggested. Of course, we're Asian. Uh, mm-hmm. Our parents would suggest being a doctor, being a lawyer. Being yeah. An engineer. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you having game development is like uh, it's either you have no choice or mm-hmm. <clears throat> or you have some kind of business that could support you uh, till the day you die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> without 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 even using your degree, so it's pretty much like I was like amazed that uh, someone like you. It, it was my first time actually to to um, uh, meet virtually meet if you if it's <laughs> a thing um, someone who has PhD in game production. I mean, uh, I was like at first I was like, um, is Alia? I mean, he, having PhD in game production maybe she's she's playing games for a living <laughs> and that's that's like uh, you, you know you, you play gta and get paid or you, you play assassin's creed and get paid it's like this is this is something man i mean yeah so uh can, can you walk me through of your professional background as as someone who has uh these kinds of credentials under her belt, like masters in psychology, you could have been a doctor or a lawyer or something. Uh, masters in human human organizational system, you could have been a uh, politician or or some sort. Um, plus, added with public relations and communications, you, you could have been someone else. So, and then suddenly have your PhD in game production. So it was like um alia is like a superhero (laughs) if you put it that way can you so uh just to be just for me to you know to um suffice my curiosity um Mm -hmm. what do you do for a living
1: yes okay so um I've recently switched a little bit of what I've been doing for, for the last four years. I've been working as a freelancer in, in uh, video games and I've worked um, as a researcher for different universities, like doing research, for example, in virtual reality. Um, I've also, I also then, Uh, was lucky enough to be part of a team where we actually built um, games and Mm -hmm. I was one of the um, production managers for that team and we produced um, four games and then um, and then I've and yeah so I'm basically hired I've also been hired to create games Um, I would say I would call them like analog games Mm -hmm. and and so and and um, that has also been, you know, creating workshops where we teach people about game design. So these are all things I did um, under freelancing mm. for the last four years. And so whatever, I think, whatever capacity I can bring my my research or my background in game production, um, I would do it. And mm. also writing because I did write um, a huge game design document for, um, for one of my clients. It was a hundred pages long. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then since, since then I've started to switch a bit, um, in the last year or so I've been uh, starting to focus my work more towards, um, gamification and supporting online entrepreneurs with, um, gamifying their online courses their memberships um yeah their their products or programs and so that's what i'm focused on now
0: okay well when you say gamify the business is, is it yeah. similar with are you are you aware of kahoot well kahoot is that kahoot well there's an is, app uh we're in um uh, i just I just saw it in my in my current company right now because there's a um uh it's a game wherein technically the human resource team would base the metrics of its employees uh through okay. games and you know? all so
1: yeah that's very very cool so yeah so so it would be sort of like that except that um I'm working with online entrepreneurs which tend to be solopreneurs Mm -hmm. so a lot of the people working in gamification so where they're adding game mechanics game elements to to businesses they tend to work in in the in mid size companies, large companies, either for a chart for motivation, or sometimes for the creation of apps, right? Maybe a company or a nonprofit is trying to develop an app. And so they want to they hire gamification experts to help them make it more playful and more interesting. And for myself, I I guess I prefer to work with uh, s- small business owners. Mm-hmm. um who are doing well with their businesses online and they want to impact more people through the work that they do. And yeah, so for me that's more fun than say working with larger organizations.
0: Okay, so given given your PhD in game production, um yeah. well, uh what is your technical insight on how video gaming became a technical well, basically a hit to society because um, you could you could see the the rapid change in video games right now well it, when 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 you walk up to a person and um, uh, ask them about video games um, they would basically name a lot of video games right now but then back but back then you only have a matter of choices like um, Galaga or or um, Contra and everything like that, and now we have uh, online games like RPG games and all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, w- I want to know what's your insight on how video gaming became a hit to society that it it runs through the society as the society evolves, the video gaming industry also evolves, and it doesn't yes. stop there.
1: No, no, it doesn't stop, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious are are you asking me what why I think that it has become such a big part of society? yeah, or okay, um yeah, so, so, I think here I am going to um, quote uh, a passage It's not it's not i I don't know a verbatim, but it is a passage that i that I read a long time ago from. Uh, Jay McGonigal's book, Reality is Broken. And um, one of the passages there that she talks about is the idea that the the reason why games are so good at engaging and motivating people is because everyone has some sort of reward because it's designed so that you get some sort of reward whether it's an emotional reward or an actual like digital reward for every little thing that you do, right? Mm-hmm. So, um and real life is not like that. You know, it, yeah. you could do a thousand different great actions all day and no one even says a thank you. No one even acknowledges that you I mean, from like the way you might take care of your body, that you ate healthy all day, that you took care of all the needs of your children or partner, that you did a really great job at work, you know, like supported a friend. Like we take all these different actions and and maybe a friend says, thank you, but we don't get any rewards for those. And they're tiny, all kinds of little micro actions we're doing throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But games games don't do that. Games, the minute you enter the game space, you start getting feedback. You know, um, you start getting feedback that make you that makes make you feel good. Even when you're starting, if even if you're in a game where you're creating your own profile, you get feedback about creating your own profile. When on earth do you get positive reinforcement when you when you introduce yourself to someone? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and and yet games are designed to do that because they want you to keep playing. So why do I think games have become so popular it's because they they are designed to to make people feel good to make people um, you know that they, they're they're designed with with the brain in mind right like like yep. the, each action has some sort of like intrinsic or extrinsic reward and who doesn't like that right mm-hmm. so so I I think that's, of course, um, part of it, um, the design of it. Of course, the, the other part is technology, right? That as we advance in technology, we mm-hmm. we're able to make things much more accessible. And it's not just, you know, it used to be that you needed a console to be able to play a video game. Right. Mm -hmm. And and not everyone can afford a console, especially if you are not living in, you know, the first world. Right. So those consoles are so expensive. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, like the only way we were able to get a console because I grew up in South America was that we had some friends gift us a console because we couldn't afford to buy one.
0: Yeah. So well, same because I I, I, I had my first console uh, bought by my my relatives in the US. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. It's,
1: it's like this, but but over time, it became more accessible because then you just needed a computer, right? You could just <clears throat> you could do PC gaming. and if you didn't have a PC, you could either go to the library or someone that you knew had more ac- that was a little bit less expensive. And eventually it became mobile. Mm -hmm. Right. And then and then and then the phones became much more Uh, accessible, cheaper, where you could pay play at least basic games. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so now and now even we have tablets and and other types of um, mobile devices that make it easier to be able to 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 play games and more affordable. So uh, I think technology is another big part of the reason why. There are so many different types of games. And and I think the third part is the game industry has evolved quite a bit. And it, it has gone from just um, having entertainment games, although, of course, there have always been different types of games, but it's gone from mainly having entertainment games to having um game-like experiences or or games for different Mm -hmm. things now right so there are tons of games times tons of games games for health there are games for um you know games for fitness uh, and simulation
0: simulation yeah
1: exactly um you know we also have like virtual reality technologies and things like this um um, there's also a huge area of games called games for change, and also the indie game scene has really, really blown up in the last ten years. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a big group of indie game developers who are constantly creating new ways of playing. And so it's it's not just the big companies and the AAA games. I mean, those it's like a you know it's like Hollywood, right? There's yeah. always like the blockbuster ones, but you still get the indie films. You still get, you know, it's, it's much, it's much bigger and, um, and then people and also the tools for creating games are getting easier so that even if you are just a student somewhere, mm. you can, you can find the tools or get an online course or, you know, figure out a way for you to build your own games on your own, you don't need to go through a formalized program. So so I think it's really diversifying. Mm -hmm. Games are infiltrating almost every area of our life, you know, and also with wearables. That's another big thing, like the Fitbit and things like this. Mm -hmm. Um there's game like experiences for that.
0: So so it's technically running with the society, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would agree. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So uh well um, we all know that we have a lot of games right now and a lot of platforms uh, mobile, from mobile to console to PC. And, um, uh, well, common, commonly, um, one would say this is a better game. Uh, this is better than this game and that game and all. So what are what do you think? Um, is the most important characteristic of a good video game? What makes a video game technically good?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a big question. Well,
0: well, just a personal take, though. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, personal take. Um, well, I mean, uh, for me, I tend to like games that um that make me think Mm -hmm. um personally like games that have either a story or have like a a puzzle uh type way of looking at it um or that can be sort of like clever and and funny Mm -hmm. um so so basically
0: so basically it's um it's a case-to-case basis then right
1: I think so. I mean, of Hmm. course, because look, you can have as long as the gameplay is there, as long as the as as the you can play the game through without any weird errors coming out or something like this. and, and as long as like the reward systems are set up correctly or the, the flow of the game is set up correctly, then it can be, it can be a good game because you don't necessarily need it to have like perfect art, mm-hmm. right? There, there are some very good games out there who have like crappy art, but yet people play them, right? Yeah. So, and-
0: um, So basically it's a gameplay. That,
1: that. yeah i think for me it's the gameplay but mm-hmm. then you within that people have different preferences right like mm-hmm. like um some some people really want a gameplay where where they can really um figure out things with with the with the controller right where they, yeah. they know they can do tricks and things and this is this feels really good to them, right? Because they're check other, other people, maybe they want um, like a simple experience with the controller, but they want it to be more interesting in terms of the story or who you're meeting or characters or um, yeah. These kinds of things that, that the actual experience is more meaningful. Other people are more strategic, you know? So it
0: mm-hmm. just
1: depends on, okay on your, on your, on preference, preference. Yeah. yeah, As long as the gameplay is is good, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. so, uh, do you think um, there would be? Well, is this uh, our era right now, our digital era right now? We we both know that uh, slowly our society are transition is transitioning to uh, being all digital. I mean. Um, uh, books turning into e-books and um, uh, classes turning into online classes and all. Yeah. So can video games be used as an academic platform to immerse students into a much more interactive learning environment? Because uh, that's one thing that I noticed. Um, I remember back in 2013, That's Mm -hmm. the first time that I played the Assassin's Creed series, Mm -hmm. wherein it features a free-roaming capability for your character to roam around Italy. And um, immediately after I finished the game, I was like um, so interested in the storyline. It was so interactive. It was so engaging Mm -hmm. to the point that um, I researched about uh, Florence, and yeah, I researched about Florence and um, I figured that the game itself um, is technically, well, the, the places inside the game, the in-game, mm-hmm. in-game environment, the way people live back in the day in Florence is pretty much accurate. And then mm-hmm. following, following, following uh, in the following years, uh, the Ubisoft, the uh, developers of Assassin's Creed, produce more games for Assassin's Creed to continue the storyline, but still stuck in the niche of being, you know, historically accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's this there's this part where um, uh, I think it's Assassin's Creed Four, wherein uh, your character could could meet Queen Elizabeth the First, or y- you could meet Abraham Lincoln, um, you would um, you would experience France during the re- Renaissance era. I mean, it's very very um, the, the 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 series have been developed using an accurate historical worlds. Mm-hmm. So, do you think th- these kinds of games could replace our present day history books in the future?
1: Oh, well, that's a great question um I, could they replace them it's it's very it's very possible um, um will they replace them gosh no, i i have i have no idea but what I, what i do know is that we are moving into a world where we we need more feedback or we we need sort of like more interactivity or we're asking more interactivity of our digital devices and and I definitely think there are of course already schools that use different types of games for education or to teach something and um, and all these companies have researchers that research why those games are so good and even as a researcher and friends who I've had as researchers, whenever you build a game, you do research anyway mm-hmm. on, on, um, yeah, on the background of who's going to use it, but also the, yeah, if, you're, if it's a, a game about a particular subject, people don't just build a game without researching. And maybe that's something that, that, the average person doesn't realize that there's a lot of research that goes into games mm. and that's what makes them realistic, right? That there's a research team and they interview people in those areas and look at images and these kinds of things. So yeah, your, your question is a good one. The answer is <laughs> I can't be sure. I can't predict. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I, I can predict that we are moving towards a much more Interactive world with our digital devices, and that our expectations of how we learn are changing, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's I, it's very foreseeable that we could be creating whole worlds now in which we we learn what we need to learn. Um, there is actually um, there's actually like a gamification um, expert. Um, he, he's, he's a really nice, cool guy. I think he's from Singapore, although I, I, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, but, um, his name is Yukai Chow and he created this whole world to teach people how to gamify. Wow. Um, businesses. And when you go into it, cause I'm part of the membership there um, you go into the world and it, and, and each it's sort of like a, like a land. You know I mean, it's, it's like an Island with different areas that you can go visit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and within this Island, you can go in and learn about different subjects. Right. But it's extremely game-like. So, you, you can't wait until just like a, another type of game, right? Except this is very, very much for education. Every day you want to go in and like, you know, pick up your treasure and like, and try to find some, you know, fun creatures are roaming around this kind of thing. So I definitely think that we could be going much more in this direction in terms of education, maybe not a full fledged game Mm
0: -hmm. the way
1: that the assassin's creed series are um but but more into these fun spaces are designed though it takes a lot of money and a lot of time to make those to make those kind of things so
0: yeah yeah so uh i'm down with my last question though uh, yeah. and then uh, I promise you will it's not that difficult <laughs> <as> <laughs> okay. that, anyway, yeah. so uh, alia I'd like to know what is your idea of a video game in the future set in like five years from now
1: five years from now
0: given given, given the resources that um, the the uh, the society have right now the technology, yeah. the the technological advancement. We already have, I I guess, um, a lot of gaming platforms right now have been integrated VR in them. So yeah,
1: and yeah. also like AR. Yeah, AR. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I I just had this this pop into my mind, which would be like my fun ideal thing because mm-hmm. for me, I. I'm definitely a very social person. I, I work a lot behind my computer, so I don't always wanna to continue to be behind my computer or behind a digital device uh, on my off time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. So what I foresee five years in the future would, would, would be um, that we'd have some sort of like wearable device that everyone has now, right? Just like our phones. -hmm. Uh, We sort of kind of have it with the Apple Watches, but something maybe more compact and more small that you could wear, and and that it would sort of like ping us to play different games with people around us in some way. Oh yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah, so like for example, um, you know that it would prompt me at the beginning of the day and say. Hey, Alia, what game would you like to play today with, like, people as you are going about mm-hmm. your day? Yeah, and and maybe I don't know. I am just inventing something, but, <laughs> but, but maybe maybe it's like uh, some sort of like word exchange or, mm-hmm. or like you know or so- question exchange something. And so- uh, yeah so something then, like you
0: you could play with the people that you bump into the street or yes, something
1: yeah yeah exactly so so not a bit a bit like how some of those like dating apps let let you know like who's around you mm-hmm. like that but instead of it being sort of like a dating you select the game and anyone that selected that same game in the morning um before going outside is going to be part of that game for the day Whoa. and then and then you're pinged as you're reaching someone who's that game is like, oh, so and so selected this game. Would you like to play with them? And then you accept or reject, and then then you play like a little question game or whatever it is that you chose for the day with that hmm. person while they're in your vicinity. And then you keep walking, and then it pings you again or something. So yeah, so this this is <laughs> this is just. What popped well popped into my Yeah. Head. yeah
0: well, I was I was thinking of the same thing because um I myself is um technically well I considered my I consider myself a an ambivert. Um I like social gatherings, uh, like socializing with people, but then during my off time I'd rather read books
1: yeah. than
0: <laughs> than going out or um play sports or something. Um, but then I would technically preferred books um, yeah so uh, before before we we uh, end this collaboration do do you have something to to promote or
1: oh sure yeah um yeah i'm i'm not sure when your podcast is going to be published but mm-hmm. um in november the second week of november november 9th through the 13th, I think. Let me double check my calendar. Hold, please. Uh, yeah November 9th through 13th gosh I have good memory um, <laughs> yeah, um, of um, course
0: so you have, uh, with with the credentials you have for sure you have a good memory
1: <laughs> oh my gosh well <laughs> that, that's what okay before I tell you what I'm promoting that's because sometimes when you're trying to figure out what you want to do when you grow up all you keep doing is studying until you finally hit the thing that you realize you really love so anyway, that's a side note mm. um, but I uh, I'm going to be running an online um, challenge and the challenge is um, to help people uh, gamify um, their online courses. So if, if anyone out there is interested in learning how to gamify your online courses, um, yeah, that challenge will be free. And then every day I will be um Uh, sharing a like a little introduction to a topic and then an action step to help your course be more playful or more Mm game-like okay Mm -hmm.
0: so um there there you go Uh, alia thank you for um uh considering my (laughs) Uh, being the first guest on the podcast, um, I yeah, you're well, I, I hope we can do more, uh, a- another one again soon. Um, yeah. So, again, Alia, that, uh, guys, that's Alia Sandouar, um the the lady who has so much in her under her belt.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you. <laughs>
0: All right. Yeah. So. Um, Let's keep in touch, right?
1: Yeah, I would like yeah. that. And yes, of course, I would be so happy to come back again and talk to you again at a later time. And right. thank you to all of you for listening. It's been <laughs> such a pleasure and so much yes. fun. <laughs>
0: all right. Now, well, we're technically um, connected on LinkedIn, so I, I could pull you anytime right now without going to Patchmaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Alia, for for sparing some time to talk to me and um, do this podcast. Now I know how it feels to have someone on board on the podcast. Oh, good. Well,
1: I'm so glad. uh,
0: (laughs) You're 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 technically. uh, I'll, I'll put this episode on my wall, and this this is the first time that I had someone on board. On my <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: uh, fantastic.
0: Yeah. yeah happy right. To hear that. So <laughs> let's keep connected. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Alright, that sounds
1: good. Already. Right, yeah. Take care, Becky. Yeah. Take care Bye-bye. too.
0: Bye.